As soon as the fish is caught, they'll be like, all right, so we got you this many flathead, got you this Tommy Ruff, and then it gets delivered straight to us the following day. So um, that's pretty special, having that um, level of ingredient to work with makes it a lot easier, that's for sure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Finding meaning and connection through food can happen at any age. And for some, childhood can be a magical dive into the world of paddock-to-plate eating. For those that have lived that approach from a young age, a career in hospitality seems inevitable. Kyle Nickel is the head chef of Rascal Brunswick in Victoria. Kyle, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Huck. How are you? I'm good. It's good to have you on the show. You've had an interesting upbringing and and an interesting connection to produce from when you were young. Tell us about that environment that you grew up in. Um, So I grew up in Coffs Harbour, um, mid-north coast, uh, New South Wales. Um, I spent sort of half my time on a farm with my mum and then half time with my dad. Um, so I was always around the country, the land, um, always fishing. Um, the farm was operational with blueberries and garlic. So um, I was always surrounded by really good produce, lucky lucky me. <laughs> Take us back to that time. Do you have any stories of what it was like, sort of the fishing stories and, and being on the farm as well? Yeah, I've got plenty of fishing stories. Um, there was always a bit of a bit of a competition um, within the family and I suppose in the whole area, the bragging rights to um, who has the biggest who gets the biggest fish, who gets the best fish. Um, It was sort of a continuous thing. Um, Yeah, I still remember the day I I got a 25-kilo mulloway, which I feel like I was fishing for for years and years. I I put it in the back of the car and drove around the town and sort of showed any of my mates or people that I knew sort of showing off my catch. (laughs) yeah what's what sort of with that sort of environment of um you know the sort of a fishing family and your mum with her farm what sort of feasts and food did was at the core of your family um for the most part it was um pretty simple um like meat and free veg but sort of done with good homegrown ingredients i suppose um yeah pretty pretty simple humble food which i think probably drove my interest a lot more um what what could i what could we do with this produce is sort of what what drove me more having having all of that around me and then um interested in exploring what can be done when when did you first start to realise that maybe a career as a chef would be an option for you? Um, uh, most of my family were all uh, musicians, um, pretty pretty talented musicians, and I um, had a go at that. Um, I was teaching drums and guitar for a little while, and that wasn't really working out for me. And I thought, 
I want to do something uh, creative. Always love food and and cooking, so um, I jumped into an apprenticeship and. Yeah, the love has just grown over the years and now there's nothing else I can really see myself doing. Do you have any stories of the first couple of years while you were an apprentice in in the commercial kitchen and sort of the impact it had on you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was my first first ever shift in the kitchen. It was called Macaulay's. It was like a little fine diner in Coffs Harbour. Um the head chef there at the time was a friend of my dad's, so um, I sort of got introduced there and got into the kitchen. First day when I was prepping away the carrots, I took the whole end of my thumb off. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty pretty old school sort of mentality then as well, so I was like, all right, tape it up and keep going, and that was... Um, <laughs> That, that's how it all started. What's been the real sort of influences in your career on and helped shape sort of the direction that you went down as a chef? Um, I think uh, the move to go to London was probably the biggest, um, the biggest change in my sort of mindset um, when I really started taking it um, seriously and seeing what I could really get out of being a chef and um, the opportunities I could get. Um, yeah, going to London was probably the, the biggest um, change for me. Take us over to, to London. Uh, do you have any stories of the impact that it had on you and, and what it was like, what your time was there like? Um, yeah, it was a massive shock, definitely, for sure. Um, going straight into like 80 hour weeks um, and cooking um, sim- simple food but just done properly was um, was pretty um, impactful on me that's sort of where I learned how to cook proper food um, yeah, plenty of challenges. So I was pretty fresh out of my apprenticeship when I made the decision to go to London. Um, I travelled around uh, Europe and a little bit in North Africa and then got back to London and I thought, all right, I'm just going to shoot high and go for like a well-known, well-known restaurant with, you know, a really well-known chef. Um, started looking on Gumtree and I... Arbutus were looking for chefs so I sent them an email next day went in for a trial um, got the job and then started like two days later Um, I didn't even have a house yet to live so I had to juggle that in the first week within the sort of 80 hours trying to find a place to live so um, I was sort of hit the ground running what sort of um, what did you take from your time in London when you eventually came back to Australia? Was was there anything that sort of set you on a different path as a chef? Um, definitely, I, I learned so much um, from my travels and from working um, at Arbutus as well. Um, I learned like that food needs to be sort of simple and 
honest to you and um, what you want to do um, with food needs to come from a place close to you. Um, when I got back to Australia, I, I was just so keen to um, sort of uh, learn more about the ingredients we have here in Australia and um, try and utilize those things a bit more. It, it really um, built my love and made me appreciate what I grew up with and um, what we have in Australia. I know you're at uh, Rascal these days as the head chef, but what's been some of the really important venues that you worked at in Australia after your time in the UK? Uh, when I when I got back from Australia, um, I went back to Coffs Harbour helping a friend um, open a cafe just as a um, helping him out, sort of helping him get set up. Um, we got a little bit bored then back in Coffs um, and then moved to Melbourne um, and then took a role at Supernormal, which um, impacted me massively. I never worked in a, a restaurant that was so well oiled. Um, everything was sort of seamless the way it operated. So um, I learned a lot working at Supernormal for sure. Andrew McConnell has influenced um, many people in the hospitality sector. Um, what's, what's he like as a as a boss? Do you have any stories of the interactions of with Andrew? Yeah, Andrew's um, amazing. He's um, I always tell people he's a, a chef. Chef. Um, he re you can see that he cares about his his chefs when he's in the restaurant. He pops around and um, has a sort of bit of a cheeky laugh here and there with some of them. Um, yeah, had some some really good interactions with Andrew when we did um, Supernormal Natsu, uh, the first one at the NGV. Um, that was really tough, um, really hard, super busy, bit of a pop-up restaurant, but I was lucky enough to be on the pans with Andrew for half of the time. So that was pretty, pretty special. I don't think many people get that opportunity. You, uh, you got the job at Rascal, but you weren't originally the head chef. You, you rose the ranks there. T tell us about how that job came about and, and what it's like there at Rascal. Um, so I was at a point where I needed um, a bit of a change. I wanted to start something from fresh. Um, and I was approached by um, Elliot Pinn, who was a, a friend of a friend at that time, but now a great friend of mine. Um, and he said he was opening Rascal. So I decided to jump on board and get involved. And we were there from the whole construction stage all the way through. Um, Till now, um, obviously, the last couple of years have been a bit of a whirlwind, but uh, we had about three months uh, with me and Elliot um, together, and then it went into lockdowns. Um, so, yeah, after the, the first lockdown, Elliot decided to move up to Sydney, and that's when I um, took the reins at Rascal. 
um, which has been great. It's been an awesome experience to sort of um, get creative and prove to myself what I'm capable of. Tell us a little bit about your food and the creative process and, and what you are doing there. Um, for the most part, um, I don't really have any rules on the style of food. Um, there's always a bit of an ongoing joke in the kitchen whenever there's something a bit uh, left of centre suggested. We joke about the rule book and there, and there is none. So <laughs> um, as long as it's delicious is the main thing. Um, like I've had points where I've had pot sticker dumplings on, um, pasta on. Uh, we do a ramen night. Um, yeah, we have no sort of um, set rules on what we have to do as long as it's really delicious and it goes well with wine. Um, as far as the creative side, um, I've got a massive passion in charcuterie. So I've been, been doing that for quite a few years now. Um, so we've got a full charcuterie set up at Rascal, so everything is made in-house. Um, yeah, which has been really awesome um, and a nice point of difference for us as well and something for our customers get to try something new every time they come in. Um, most of the food I build from, um, from vegetables, the dishes, so... There's little highlights of charcuterie here and there. We have a charcuterie plate, but um, for the most part, I start with with vegetables, which is something um, hyper-seasonal, obviously. So um, starting with vegetables and then build from there. And uh, recently, we just started using lots of seafood from Corner Inlet through the Two Hands guys, which is absolutely amazing. Produce is really at the heart of everything that you do. Tell us about some of the connections to local producers. I know that you were very passionate about sardines out of Port Phillip Bay as well. Um, do you have any stories of the connections that you fostered with producers? Yeah, so a, a lot of the local farms I used uh, while I was working for Andrew and sort of just kept that connection going. Um, yeah, I've had plenty of plenty of um great conversations with the with the um with the farms a couple of different guys about what they're growing if they want if they can grow anything sort of specific for me um but yes yeah, it's, it's it's an ongoing sort of conversation it's like um like my friends just always talking i suppose <laughs> Do you have any uh, specific producers you can tell us about that you like to champion on the menu? Uh, yeah, definitely. The Two Hands guys do a great job with the seafood, so they're like a direct link to the fishes. Um, so I have a bit of a wish list I send on a Sunday. So you want a certain amount of whole fish, plate size, and then a certain amount of small fish for smoking or or raw or something like that and then I'll get a message as soon as the fish is caught they'll be like alright so we got you this many flathead got you this Tommy Ruff and then 
it gets delivered straight to us the following day. So um, that's pretty special having that um, level of ingredient to work with makes it a lot easier. That's for sure. You mentioned the in-house charcuterie program that you have there. Um, making great charcuterie is, is quite a challenge. Do you, do you have a story of the first successes that you, you had making charcuterie? Yeah, I think, um, I think the first batch of salami was probably um, the first successful batch, rather, <laughs> was um, pretty special. There's, there's been a lot of failures over the years with charcuterie. There's no, there's no other way to really learn because you, you don't get the results straight away. You've got to cure it. You've got to nurture it. Um, there's a lot of small details that you need to to watch throughout the process. Um, I think one of the most special moments was the first leg of prosciutto that I did, which was quite a few years back now. But, yeah, it's such an amazing, amazing thing. You wait all that time. You, you watch it. So the first one I did was uh, an 18-month. So I had it there, watching it, nurturing it, waiting for the moment. And, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you finally get to eat it. Tell us about the, the process with charcuterie. Is there, there one or two of the products that you've created that you can tell us about and what it takes to make, make it great? Um, I've got a couple of uh, signature so, well, I say they're my signatures. Um, <laughs> so I do a, a five spice and Szechuan brazola. So I get um, wagyu gerellos and then um, cure them, brine them, and then air dry them. Um, it seems it sounds a lot simpler than it is. The process is pretty simple, but it's about knowing the right times to do the right things. Um, I think that the Szechuan Brazola is probably one of my favorites and I do a wattle seed salami, which is, which has always been a bit of a hit. Um, that's a, that's a big process to do a big salami day. Usually we get the whole team in, um, and we all have a laugh and, um, make salami together. It's, um, it's a pretty awesome experience to do as a team the last couple of years have impacted on so many what's the experience been like for you has there been positives to come out of this adversity oh definitely i think um one of the big ones is um being able to spend time at home and with family um so i probably yeah yeah probably got six months every day with my partner at home which is probably something that we might never get again until we retire I suppose. <laughs> um so that that was amazing and um it was good just to take a bit of time off and re reflect um not that really had that much time off I just wasn't doing too many nights because we did take homes all the way through um, I think just a bit of time to reflect and sort of um, think about um, life and the, and the industry and what, what the next moves were going to be. 
after two years of sort of uncertainty and opening and closing, what's what's it like now at the moment? Is is there a lot of energy and enthusiasm in the hospitality sector in Melbourne? Um, I feel like, yeah, everyone's bouncing back in a big way, which is awesome to see. And I feel like there's a lot of burnout as well across the board, um, trying to get through this last sort of wave as well. Um, speaking for myself personally, so we did take-homes all the way through, I think, I think we did about 45 different menus through that period. So we were changing menus every single week, doing a different cuisine every week to try and keep it interesting for our locals who are ordering every week. Um, and then coming out into Omicron. So, yeah, there's been some some rough patches, obviously. Um, bit of burnout, but you can see... You can see the industry uh, bouncing back strong, which is amazing to see. You're the head chef at at Rascal now. What surprised you about the head chef role? Um, I was was there from the start, so I sort of um, knew what I was in for and what the challenge would be. I think um, completely different um, to where I was prior, working for Andrew at Supernormal and Builders. Um, going from a big, big business, big company to something very hands-on and small. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing the rosters, recruitment, training, all the the costings, and then I'm on the pans and I'm washing pots as well. The um, <laughs> yeah, the in a small business, I suppose it's there's two sides of the coin, um, but that's. That's what I love. I love getting in there and getting it done. So, yeah. What What do you love about what you do? Um, I think the for me the biggest the biggest thing that keeps me going even now after being a chef for twelve years is the craft. Um, trying to just get better every day um, at what I do and trying to learn new things. I think that's what drives me every day, just trying to learn new techniques, new new dishes, um, more knowledge, and just trying to get better every day is what drives me. Well, Kyle, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Uh, Good luck with Rascal. Um, Keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.